0: The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. You would be listening at this very moment to the Paul Leslie Hour. I thank you for joining us. And on the Paul Leslie Hour, we feature interviews with very interesting people. It's always interesting to talk to someone who has a very strong passion or fascination with something. Our guest, Deborah Bird, is fascinated with the human voice. That's something we can take for granted, the human voice. But think about the power of the fact that there are no two voices that are completely alike. Think about your mother's speaking voice. Or maybe she sings, maybe You hear your mother singing while she's in the kitchen or something. Brings a smile to your face, doesn't it? Well, Deborah Bird is fascinated by the human voice and has dedicated her life to it. She was the head vocal coach on the television show American Idol. She worked with all of those singers. Deborah Bird's foundation was in Broadway, which helped her a great deal. She's going to go into that in the interview. And as a vocalist, there are two artists that she has recorded with. Very interesting. Barry Manilow and Bob Dylan. I like that, that it's those two. There's a Barry Manilow album called Singing with the Big Bands. And one of the tracks is a duet of Barry Manilow and Deborah Bird. I happen to like that duet very much. You should get that album, by the way. And then Bob Dylan. Needless to say, Deborah Bird is a very interesting person. I know I have quite a few people who listen to this show who are singers, and even if you're not a singer, this interview should be of great interest. I hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, by special request, it is our pleasure to welcome our
1: guest, Deborah Bird.
2: Thank you very much, Paul Leslie. You have put a huge smile on my face. It's an honor to be interviewed by you.
1: Who is Deborah Bird?
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. At heart, I believe I'm creative, a creative being, a blessed being. I'm just a person who loves life and who loves to work with singers, any kind of singer. Uh, anything that has to do with the voice, the vocal, whether it's voiceovers, disc jockeys, newscasters, I love anything that involves any, using the voice.
1: Well, speaking of life, what was life like growing up?
2: What was it, what was it like growing up? I come from a, a nurturing and loving family, and my grandfather had made everyone sing, period. Everyone, that was just, it didn't matter, cousins, distant cousins. He was filled with life, a musician, an arranger, a wonderful singer. Consequently, everyone had to sing. And I didn't know that people came from families who couldn't sing. I just knew that everyone around me, I grew up knowing that everyone around me could sing to some degree, to some capacity, and really wonderful, nurturing people, a house filled with music and love. And my grandmother was an extraordinary woman, just wonderful people. Uh, my grandfather's a talented arranger and a voice, big, booming voice that, that had cut like a laser to cut through any kind of group setting. And my, I grew up, you know, it's it's like, you know, who was it? You know, those families you see on TV, not the Partridge, older than that. Oh, it's it's, it's leaving me. It's driving me crazy. But it was a family sing along and going to church, faith-based family, strong connection, strong God connection. And uh, I have I feel honored, and I was very supported in my growing up years. So that's the kind of family I grew up in.
1: And what kind of music did you listen to growing up? Did you have favorite singers and favorite bands?
2: Well, my family listened to opera
1: and gospel
2: and. Ray Charles and Etta James, (laughs) those were, Ah. I mean, that's a, a very eclectic mix of music. And my mom, I remember when my mom took me to the opera, and she made me go to the library and take the libretto and learn what it was, and that was as a kid. So, yeah, I listened to all kinds of music at home.
1: What did your experiences on Broadway teach you?
2: Ah, My experiences on Broadway taught me how to take care of my physical body as a performer. That was huge because to pump out those eight shows a week, there's an extraordinary discipline that comes along with it. And that means learning how to make sure that you're in peak position, in peak performance condition for eight shows a week. And that's a grueling schedule, even when you're young as a teenager. That's quite a grueling schedule. I learned how to, to really... Pay attention to what affected my body, and I think that's what got me on the road to learning about vocal health. Health. Vocal health, because I had an amazing voice teacher in Cleveland, Ohio, named Gladys Tiff. From her teaching me how to sing, and she taught me, I was trained to go to the Met. I was trained to be an opera singer. So I sing in five languages. And I got a chance to use all of that energy when I was singing on Broadway. But the addition of Broadway taught me how to take care of my physical body, body, number one. And number two, Broadway taught me the art of auditioning. And it is an art. And people become very scared of auditioning. They don't know how to audition because there aren't a lot of people... There's not a lot of information on how to do it unless you're inside it. And that's why my DVD... Called Welcome to Star School is about auditioning, how to get a job, and no matter what the medium is, whether it's Broadway medium, television medium, getting a record deal, how to present yourself. That's what being on Broadway taught me, is that you have to definitely pay attention to how you get the job. And it taught me stamina. <laughs> That's the other thing. That's the third thing. It taught me stamina and the responsibility of putting in eight shows a week.
1: You also studied opera. What skill did that give you?
2: I love it. it. I've got a huge smile on my face. Studying opera gave me an accuracy as a vocalist. It gave me vocal dexterity. It taught me how to place my voice for different tonal qualities. And it taught me fearlessness, A fearless, fearlessness that comes with confidence and in knowing that I can meet whatever task is put before me in any genre of music. And that's what opera gave me.
1: Isn't that something? Indeed it is. And you have this DVD. You mentioned earlier that you're fascinated by voices. What is it about voices in particular?
2: I think what fascinates me is listening to tonal qualities. Even hearing the sound of a baby, a baby's laugh, I I can't help but smile. That's one of the things. And the other thing is how people use their voices, how people... Some people speak... And they don't even breathe. There's a, I'm noticing a generation of people now on television, and they speak and they don't breathe until their voice gets into this place and they run out of air and they just keep talking and they think it's okay to keep talking and they, they, they don't. They're, I keep wanting to say, take a breath, please take a breath. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's quite fascinating to me when I listen to, to voices, and especially when I'm hearing singers, I always get this thing of, oh, I can fix that, or, well, that's fixable, or, boy, if I told them two sentences, that could go away or that could be made better. I'm kind of into voices that way, A- and I learned that from making records. Broadway, I, I can compartmentalize certain things. Broadway taught me one thing. Opera taught me one thing. Making records taught me another thing of how to play, how to play with tonal qualities in your own voice and listen back and go, oh, I didn't even know that that was there, Just quickly, when Barry Manilow hired me when I was a teenager, he asked me to do a sound-alike, and I didn't even know I could do a sound-alike. So I have to honestly give him credit for hearing in my voice something I didn't hear, and that's what made me explore other tonal qualities. He had me do a sound-alike like Gladys Knight. I didn't even know I had that. And consequently... I tuned into the nuances of Gladys Knight's voice. Then I was able to go, oh, yeah, that is in my voice. He also had me do a soundalike uh, for Diana Ross. And he heard those aspects, and I paid attention, and I was able to do that. So that got me on the road to doing voiceovers and creating other characters and really paying attention. So I have to give Barry Manilow credit for that.
1: You've made several recordings with Barry Manilow. In my humble opinion, I just love the duet of Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree that appeared on the Singing with the Big Bands album.
2: <laughs> thank you. I'm glad you did. and I was very surprised because I was sitting on an airplane, and I was on the, on United Airlines, you know, how they have the, the uh, artists on there, and there I was. I said, gee, i hit the big time. It was quite fascinating and thrilling for me. So, good, thank you. I appreciate your acknowledging that song and the work.
1: How did you meet Mr. Manilow, and can you remember doing that particular session?
2: I remember it like it was yesterday. I was on—I had just moved to New York, and I was auditioning constantly, constantly answering cattle calls. There's, at the time, there was Backstage Magazine. It came out every Thursday, and I religiously went to the newsstand to pick up my uh, Backstage Magazine every Thursday. Now you can go to Backstage.com. But I entered an ad in the newspaper that said, Manilow Needs Girls. And I walked into the audition, and I remember I was number 174 on the page, and I signed in. The, the ad said, must sing well, singer who moves well, and sings rock and roll. So that's what the ad said, and I answered it. And in answering that ad, I had just done a song with a producer that I realized that Gloria again or later recorded. I did this song with a producer, and I used that as the audition. And I was asked to stay back. After I sang, I was asked to, ha- asked to hang back so that he could put two other singers with me. And it wasn't Barry Manil. It was someone else who was rehearsing me, who was auditioning me. And it was, of course, the audition table. And I waited around, and I was called back in. I was put with two other ladies, and this tall guy stood next to me, and he said, Do you read music? I said, Yes. He said, What part do you sing? I said, I sing anything. And he said, sing the top part. And he gave, assigned the other two ladies their part, their harmony. And I sight read it, and I sang it. And he said, okay. He kept me, brought two other people, and I had to sing the middle part. Then I had to sing the bottom part. And he said, you do okay. I said, oh, thank you very much. I didn't know who this guy was, but in in hindsight, I know it was Barry Manilow. And he kept me, and I had to keep singing some more songs. And then he said, okay. And he said, thank you very much. And I turned to him, and I said... To my right, I turned to him and I said, "Did you write this stuff?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "You write good shit." <laughs> Thank you very much. Famous last words, right? <laughs> a few days later, I received a phone call. I thought it was another audition, and I, I was told to be at 250 West 57th Street in New York at two o'clock. And I showed up, and I thought it was another audition, and I didn't know, but I. Got a job. And I said, why am I here? I don't know why I'm here. Who am I singing for? And I was told, you're not singing for anybody. You have a job. I said, "With home. And he said, nobody told you? I said, no, no one told me. It was Barry's manager at the time, and he said, you are going on tour. You're here because you're going on tour with Barry Manilow for four weeks. I said, I didn't know that. So that's how all that started. <laughs> that's the Please. short version Please. of it. I'm very grateful and very blessed to say that I am still a part of Barry Manilow's musical family. And his career has endured and has learned so very much. Our exchange has been huge. And on my website at DeborahBird.com, he has written a wonderful paragraph of, about me. So I'm very honored in, that he has graced my website with a lovely paragraph of things that I gave him.
1: You've also recorded with the legendary Bob Dylan. What was he like to work with?
2: It was such a joy working with Bob Dylan. And my description of him, my description of Bob Dylan is that he's just one of God's different creatures. He's so extraordinary. The way he looks at the world and the way he can put pen to paper is so visual. And the way his heart speaks, it's really extraordinary. And that's why he is, you know, the poet of our generation. You know, he's been called that or something near to that. It's really quite extraordinary. And I was quite honored to work with Bob Dylan, to tour with him, and to—he used me as his music librarian at one point. I've sung on movies of his, and it was an extraordinary experience working with Dylan and doing duets with him.
1: What other artists have you duetted with, and who has been the most enjoyable?
2: You know, I was really—I'm really, really racking my brain. What other artists have I duetted with? I sing with the contestants. On Idol Who have been on Idol a lot I could arbitrarily say I've duetted At rehearsal with them With Carrie Underwood On Alone And with Kelly Clarkson On another song And Fantasia On another song And you know Adam Adam Lambert Did some pieces here and there But I've also I can also arbitrarily say That I have duetted When the celebrities Come on the show And I'm so thrilled To help one of the contestants Work with a celebrity Whether it's Babyface Or whether it's Michael McDonald Or whether it's Joe Cocker Or... Or, or, or whether it's the lead singer from Judas Priest. I mean, it's so thrilling to be in the energy and to sing along with. So I can say that behind the scenes, <laughs> I've duetted with people that I haven't recorded with other than Barry Manilow and Bob Dylan.
1: How did you get into vocal coaching?
2: You know, it's the oddest thing. When I was performing on Broadway, Paul, I got a reputation as a session singer and doing shows on Broadway, from people having vocal fatigue, and I got this reputation where people go, oh, my voice is tired, and if they're, if I was in a show with them, I'd go, you know what, if you did A, B, C, D, and E, then that would correct that, and they go, oh, okay, and I said, I want feedback, go do it. And let me know how it works out. And I would always get positive feedback. That's because I had a great voice teacher. And I would be that way in the recording studio. And I got this reputation. And people would come to me, Bird, can I hang out with you for 20 minutes? I have a vocal problem. i will go, sure, let me see what I can fix. And they would give me feedback. And they would say, that thing you did, the thing you had me do, whatever that was, you fixed my problem. That's how it started. And I attribute that all to my my great vocal, vo- voice teacher. Because I've only had one. And that's Gladys Diff in Cleveland, Ohio. That's how it really got started, and it was by reputation. It's quite extraordinary.
1: What is the most important thing for a singer to remember or do?
2: The most important thing for a singer to remember or to do, I would have to say, Paul, the most important thing for them to do is to breathe properly. Because breathing solves a lot of issues. It solves vibrato that's gone haywire, vibrato vibrato that's too much, or vibrato where you need more. It helps when you have laryngitis. It helps to hit the note. It helps to support the note. So that has to be the most important thing for a singer to remember is how to breathe properly. So they have to go learn it. And that's why I always say to any type of singer, it's okay if you have an opera teacher, a classical teacher, teach you how to breathe properly because it works no matter what type of singing you do. So breathing is fundamental. Important.
1: When you're doing vocal lessons... Could you improve almost anyone's singing voice?
2: I'd have to say yeah. I'd have to say yes. I'm very grateful to be able to do that because I don't know how I'm wired. But the way that I'm wired and the, and the addition of the great teaching I got from Mrs. Tiff was that I can hear it, I can diagnose it. It's like being a diagnostician. That's a mouthful. <laughs> I think that um, I get to hear a singer and I can immediately sort out what they need, what type of technique is needed to improve them in the moment, to give them a better vocal ability of whatever they're headed, whatever musical genre they're headed toward, whatever the need is in the moment. That's fascinating to me, that I can hear it, correct it, and move on. And then they can grow. I like to plant that seed so that it can grow from there.
1: Who are the best singers?
2: Well, see, that's, we, you and I could be on the, on this interview forever if I gave you a, a best singers list because there are so many, so many wonderful singers. But, and every time I do this, I always feel like I'm leaving someone out. But this is going back to tonal qualities and sensibility and phrasing. I mean, Pavarotti always makes my heart skip. He just does. But so does Steven Tyler and so does Rosemary Clooney, yeah. <laughs> You know? know and I have to add on to to that Gladys Knight Minnie Ripperton, James Brown, Kim Burrell, Michael McDonald, Kelly Clarkson, Aretha Franklin spawned a generation of women who sing like Aretha. Stevie Wonder has spawned a generation of men who sing like Stevie Wonder. Lena Horn said in an interview she wished she could sing like Aretha Franklin. I mean the list is incredible, incredibly long. I mean Freddie Mercury, there's so many. Roger Dolce, I could go on and on and on. They're fascinating entertainers with incredible instruments. And that's why we love them. That's why they're iconic. That's why people revere them for years and years. Sinatra, Tony Bennett. Can we talk about Tony Bennett at his this age now? You know, it, 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 I could go on and on and on. It's fascinating. And and I don't want to leave out people, but I know I'm leaving people out. But what I've mentioned are an ex- a wide range of people. Yolanda Adams, Johnny McClarkis, Sting. Uh, you better change the subject because I'll keep going on and on and on. I get diarrhea of the mouth when I talk about singers.
1: <laughs> what is the best thing about being Deborah Bird?
2: <laughs> wow. What is the best thing about being Deborah Bird? I think the best thing about being Deborah Bird from a singer's aspect is the fact that I am trusted. People entrust their vocal abilities to me and they trust my information. I think that's the best thing. I, I'm very humbled and honored by it. And I feel the love and the honor and the respect and there's a joy I receive from just people trusting me. And I think another best thing about me is because I encourage so many people and that I see the seed that I've planted and I see the fruit that comes from seed that I've planted. I think that's, that's a, my heart is happy to be of service in that way. And I I guess I would call that being blessed beyond my imagination. I think that's what I'd have to say. That's the best part about being Deborah Bird, is being blessed beyond my own imagination.
1: Well, my last question... You have a lot of fans out there, wherever someone is in the world. What would you like to say to them?
2: Oh, boy. Now, see, that's another thing I could go... I I do seminars. I do seminars around the the United States, so... And I I am an artist-in-residence at at Berkeley College of Music. And universities have me come and speak to their students, and I love doing it. So I give lessons by Skype. I have students in France. I I just helped a young lady on a Chinese competition show, singing in Chinese. I mean, just, just thrilling things, being... Working with singers is so thrilling with, thrilling to me. On a spiritual note, and a life note, I would want to say to your listeners, be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Be respectful of others. Always say thank you. Have an open heart. Don't let the world grind you down. Always have a plan B. And lastly, keep your hand in God's hand. That's what I would like, like to say to the world.
1: Very beautifully said.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you very, very much.
1: Thank you. It has been a pleasure. It's always nice to speak with people who are so passionate, and also, may I add, to speak to people who have as pleasant a speaking voice as they do a singing voice. Ah. Oh.
2: Thank you. Thank you very, very much. I'm all about everything vocal. And you're right. You use the right word. It is a passion of mine. I have a great passion for it. I guess that's my grace. That's the grace been put on, on my life, is that I'm so passionate about it and everyone I work with, no matter what age or what style. So I thank you. Friend me on Facebook. I'm there. And my Twitter account is Birds Star School.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you.
2: It's a pleasure doing an interview with you, Paul Leslie. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. If you enjoy these interviews, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. You can help us by listening on the free Radio Public app. The show can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or Overcast. For more information, visit thepaulleslie.com or follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at the Paul Leslie. The Paul Leslie Hour theme song is performed and composed by Jeff Pike. Outro music is performed and composed by John Goodwin. See you next time on The Paul Leslie Hour.